0: Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast. We are at proper 27 in year A. Our series is the time in between. We're thinking about the time between Jesus coming in the flesh and his coming in glory and how uh, we are marching ever closer to that day when we will see our Savior again face to face. So what do we do in this time in between? Today we are thinking about uh, how this is a time for watchfulness With us for this series, Pastor Dan Hobben from Flagstaff, Arizona, and Pastor Tom Spiegelberg from Mobile, Alabama. Also with us today is Professor Bill Tackmeyer from the seminary, and I'm John Mitchell, Uh, privileged to be your moderator. Uh, Let's start with you, Tom, if we could tell us a little bit about this week in the Time in Between series, if you would.
1: Yeah, all right. Thank you much. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, welcome, Bill. Um, good to see you, Dan. Good to see you, Jonathan. Uh, the, yeah, this series was, um, uh, or this particular text, again, <laughs> I feel a little bad even starting off <laughs> on this podcast because the last two texts I hadn't preached on a normal Sunday sermon. And I look back at this one. I've not done this one on a normal I think I figured I. Um, because it's also way at the end of the year, and I believe that sometimes it does not even come up. Is is that correct? Am I right on that? Like the twenty seventh, or yeah. uh, getting towards the end of the Pente- Pentecost? Yeah. Okay. Well, in the in not the, not that it you know yeah.
0: in the old series, yeah, the end of the Pentecost season got cut off. Now with the new hymnal, what happens when Easter is late is you actually uh, skip over the first uh, Sundays in the Pentecost season. So yeah, it used to be this one got cut off, uh, but Probably not any longer. So we'll skip the early ones in the Pentecost season, but usually have this one. But yeah, good point. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. That, that's good to know. That's good to know. So as I was going through this, um, <laughs> again, just kind of struggling where to where it and I believe that the the, the new pericope also has changed around a little bit. You always had these yeah. uh, looking at the end times at the end of Pentecost, obviously. And then Advent always always kind of repeated that same idea, and in the new in the new um, the readings, I, I don't know if it carries through for that. And let me ask another question as we start out with mm-hmm. that: uh, Is that the same sort of of focus where uh, Christ came the first time in Advent, coming the second time at the end of Pentecost? But you kind of throw those those two are back to back, if you will, like a bookend of the year, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So I can think kind of the default is you get a lot of the end-time texts here at the end of the Pentecost season, and then Advent, the primary suggested reading for the first Sunday in Advent is the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. But you could also do uh, the end of the church year, uh, Christ the King emphasis, and then the first Sunday in Advent the alternate readings are more like Jesus comes again in glory, so his final advent. So there is that option to get a little bit of that at the beginning of the Advent season
1: mm-hmm. All right. So taking a look at this, and I just asked that just to make sure it's clear, but taking a look at this, so just from a practical parish perspective, I, I I always struggled a little bit about how to do the end times and then start off on Advent. with this one, um, coming on chapter 25 i mean that is the whole that jesus is basically just ex- expanding on what he's talked about with the end times already and then giving a very practical illustration with the with the foolish and wise virgin so i, I think with this one with the time in between series kind of where I, I wanted to to take the the worshipers at least this was my thought was, as as we probably you're going to touch on the end times at this point in the church year anyway, uh, but also just kind of looking ahead, of what does that mean to be con- continuously expecting and waiting? And to to a larger degree, I wanted it to be not so much just a dissertation on the end times of what it's going to be about, but rather, what does it mean to, to wait? Like, how do you prepare for that? Yeah. What, what does it look like and i i tended to at least in this one to go a lot more practical i guess than than uh just uh pronouncement um and and so that's kind of what i wanted to do was just kind of some of the habits or how do we continue to be watchful um, as we take a look yeah. at, it. because yeah. I think the bridegroom's not even mentioned in am sorry, I'm babbling on, but the bridegroom doesn't even come up in this. It's just about those that are waiting. Yeah. And so anyways, my thoughts were just to, okay, so we're waiting. So what do we do? Habits we get into that sort of thing is what I wanted to bring out.
0: Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that. Good. So that's kind of the emphasis that you would use with your uh, your listeners, uh, Dan. Could we hear from you a little bit about the first and second reading today, and then uh, we'll think about the gospel for our sermon text.
2: Yeah, greeting, brothers. Uh, taking a look at the first lesson appointed for this Sunday, Isaiah fifty-two um, starts out, "Awake, awake, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength." Uh, I think the neat thought there is redemption is coming, and the gospel. A nugget you are sold for nothing without money you will be redeemed um, so stay awake shake off the dust and obviously that would fit in then with the gospel lesson as the 10 virgins are waiting the second lesson first Thess- thessalonians 5 where paul says we're not ignorant about the coming of the end times um, but again we're waiting and don't fall asleep at the wheel as it were as you're waiting um why? Because God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to be saved. And then I like that encouragement at the very end, build each other up in the faith. So encourage one another. And that just made me kind of wonder, did the virgins encourage each other or th- were they just kind of these 10 individuals or is it two groups? Um, it kind, of, kind of got me thinking down that, um, how to connect that second lesson with the, the gospel.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an intriguing question. Um, what what's going on in the parable, uh, with these two groups. Um, well, let's go to that now. Uh, Bill Tackmeyer, could you get us started thinking about this text, uh, Jesus parable, uh, Matthew 25, one to 13.
3: I think the background of this text is so fascinating. It's, it really is a festive occasion. I mean, they're waiting for the bridegroom to come, uh, Hebrew weddings seem to have taken place at night where the bride and her bridesmaids would get uh, ready at their house, at the bride's house, and then the groom would come and there'd be a festal procession through the city. The reason they're carrying lamps rather than, well, today bridesmaids carry bouquets but they're carrying lamps because it was a nighttime really parade that went through town from the bride's house to the groom's house. And the wedding banquet was usually held at the groom's house. So, you know, here are these young women, they're getting ready to celebrate uh, this, this uh, wedding, but the grooms, uh, the groom and the groomsmen probably did the same thing that, uh, young men do today before the wedding. Uh, my son-in-law was just uh, at his, his um, brother's bachelor party on Friday and didn't get home till three o'clock. Um, apparently the young men of the village would do something similar. And finally they would arrive at the bride's house to lead the bride and the bridesmaids through the town. There'd be musicians and you know everybody has their lamps, their torches and we're getting ready to celebrate the wedding and have the wedding feast at the groom's house so i think it's good to emphasize the the festive background of the text
0: yeah it really does frame that there there's picture of the wedding banquet of course comes up in other places um uh, as as a picture of that too tom
1: yeah just a just a question and maybe bill or dan or, or john you guys can fill in this was from what i understand too i mean obviously jewish weddings it would similarities to ours today but differences as well which is probably good to explain a little bit but this would have been for for five for five of the of the uh, uh the wedding party to actually forget to to bring their oil along this would have been almost kind of ridiculous like 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 he was telling a story like can you imagine if this happened where five of them actually wouldn't have been prepared and did am i right and get in that feeling because this would have been a huge thing that was going on yeah
0: Yeah. definitely yeah Yeah. i think so yeah yeah it wasn't it wasn't uh i don't think an unexpected like well who knew that we needed to bring (laughs) oil type of thing i think it would have been expected
1: like a spontaneous bachelorette party that usually doesn't happen that's usually right. rather well planned out yeah okay
0: i think so i think so um yeah so how do you go about i mean there's an element of warning uh here uh in the parable how do you go about bringing out those themes um or addressing kind of the the problem that jesus is highlighting with the the foolish uh, bridesmaids in the parable uh, maybe we could start there um what is their issue um, how do you bring that out explain it and apply it to your listeners so the foolish bridesmaids um Bill would you like to just start with some thoughts there
3: uh sure um from my notes from past years when I've preached on this text um it seems like the in the history of the church um the the bridesmaids are seen all as being believers in and and expecting the coming of the Savior, but that that you would be unprepared is kind of like uh, Tom is saying. I mean, this is an obvious thing. This is a social faux pas, not to be ready for that time when the Savior is coming. So if you're you know, if you're one of the bridesmaids that's going to attend this wedding, you you want to have your lamp filled. You you want to be doing those things that are going to prepare you to be one of the bridesmaids at the feast with the the feast of the Lamb. Okay,
0: yeah. So, uh, something that you uh, believers uh, know is coming but maybe the the sin issue here is just uh either a forgetfulness or just a laxity and apathy in faith that would result in not being prepared uh Dan Tom any thoughts on that the foolish bridesmaids Tom
1: uh yeah the I actually went through this one uh with uh Professor Wentland we did he did a parables preaching on the parables which was was mm-hmm. great uh introduced us to um it was a, a book by snodgrass which is a very memorable uh, author but but just taking a look at the parables because so often it seems you take these parables and people throw all kinds of i mean if you just look at it in a broader christian context people take the parables and just slaughter them and so but one of the things that that uh, I, I especially noticed as he was going through this particular parable, he said it's a little bit it's a little bit out of the ordinary. and uh, he called it a double indirect parable, which has a syncresis. I think I got that right. But basically what he was saying was that he drew an application from a point that had been made previously in the other ch- in the other chapter. So he was talking about the end times or waiting for that Christ to return. Uh, but in so doing, so he he kind of just draws an application of of so be ready. But in in doing that, as as he as he talks it through, and I, Bill, thanks for bringing that up because that was kind of trying to figure out exactly who he's talking to. But it really is either Christians or Christians by name, and the the warning is don't don't let yourself become lax, like just go through the motions. And of course, the joy is that you're expecting the bride's, the, the, the groom to come, you know, and it's, it's, some of it is a little, um, it's not a, it doesn't always seem like a clear cut uh, parable.
0: Okay. Yeah. Your thoughts, Dan?
2: Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, to me, this is a, really always struck me that this is not about uh, us versus them. You know, it, it really is a parable for the church, isn't it? They, they all knew the bridegroom was coming. Um, the foolish virgins were out there waiting as well so it's not that they're not waiting it's not that they didn't want to go to the the banquet hall Um, but that's just it it's not enough to want to go to heaven to be prepared for it it's not enough to know that jesus is coming again right Um, and i like how he uses the word so be ready that's the same word um, that john the baptist used when he readied or used of john the baptist when he was reading or preparing the people for jesus how did he do that through preaching repentance and baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And so I I think it's good to point out to our members to say, Jesus doesn't call them good and bad virgins, but the wise and the foolish. You know, they are not outside of the church, they are within. So, hey, Jesus is talking to each one of us. And and I think, too, that helps differentiate um, from the previous or, or from the parables that are coming up and even what Jesus said about this is really more about preparedness versus watchfulness because the wise virgins fall asleep too. So that's not in and of itself wrong. That doesn't seem to be the point of the parable, but are you, are you prepared? So okay. I think, a, I think a challenge uh, for us is, this is one of those uh, texts that I always think is great for the straying member. How do you preach it to those who are there on a Sunday? You know, cause I think they're like, mm-hmm. well, I'm here, I'm preparing. Right. Yeah. Um, So I'd be interested. I have some thoughts on that, but I'd be interested in your guys' thoughts on that.
0: So making like the the law application Mm -hmm. to the people who are there as opposed to uh, making it to people who are not there.
2: Yeah. Um, I wish so-and-so was here to hear the sermon.
0: Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Well, your your thoughts on that, uh, guys, what um, guidance might you have for preachers to... Ah, uh, aim this parable at the people who are there. Um, is it maybe a warning uh, realizing we are all susceptible to this foolishness, um that 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 is a temptation that is out there for us, that we're not immune to? Uh, or how would how might you approach this and apply it to people who are <laughs> there preparing?, uh, Bill?
3: Well, I think we can all identify. Uh, times in our lives when we've been like the foolish ones. And it's at those moments that we fall asleep that, you know, somebody has to wake us up or otherwise we're being distracted by, I have too many things going on in my life. You know, I don't have time for my daily devotions or, um, uh, I get caught up in, I, I know with young men, they, uh, they end up watching video game playing video games and that kind of thing and they don't realize how many of the hours they've invested in it you know I've had students uh who have admitted that you know I just I I have these things that divert me from my real purpose what God has here uh for me to do okay yeah
0: ideas uh yeah. Tom
1: yeah I I I think too and it, sometimes with these especially <laughs> dad I think I agree you're like man I hope so somebody's in church when you do this, but I found it helpful then (laughs) to just in my own life. So how would I apply this to to me? Like, how do I not prepare? For Pete's sake, I'm a Lutheran pastor, right? Am I I guilty of this? And of course we are, uh, but then put it into the practicals. That's why I came down kind of practically on the the focus of this, and maybe calling it a ritual is a bad way, but I just took this training course uh, for the Coast Guard, in which they uh, you 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 get to people within seventy-two hours of a major disaster, and the idea is to talk through um, whatever has happened. It, it cuts down on stress and PTSD later on in life, and it's a very secular thing. But in the secular workbook, it even said how important it was. To go back to um, the rituals or the habits that individuals had before a crisis hit, because they rely on that those very wooden structures, if you will, uh, when it, when a crisis hits. And I was just thinking in my own mind. I mean, we I think we have to be careful that we don't put, you know, too much emphasis, obviously, on a, on a work righteousness or anything like that. But there is value in how we work out our faith in fear and trembling. So, what habits do? I get into that keep me watchful, prepared, and alert. And I think Mm -hmm. that's somewhere where I was gonna go, some of my applications where worship is a regular habit that you get into of course you can come to church and you can sit in the pew and get absolutely nothing out of it as opposed to so i mean you could be you could be one of the vestal virgins in church on sunday morning too where you're just attending for the sake of attending but not getting anything out of it as as you listen to the word of god too but i, I think you're right in, in that kind of perspective just to say okay let's break this down practically what are the quote-unquote rituals or regular patterns or habits that we get into in order to be watchful. And the one thing that popped into my head, I don't know if you guys are deer hunters at all, but if you've been to a deer stand before, you, know, you get out at five o'clock in the morning, it's pitch black, your heart's pumping a little bit cause you're just waiting for a giant buck to go around the corner. By the time it's 10 o'clock, you're dozing off, you're half asleep. So what do you do in a deer stand to make yourself alert in case a deer walks through? Well, maybe that's some of the same habit for, I mean, you can do in your spiritual life when it comes to being prepared for Jesus to return.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good suggestions. Uh, Bill?
3: Well, what Tom was saying makes me think, too, you know, the rituals of the church, they sometimes seem um, kind of uh, hackneyed or, um, you know, motions that we have to go through. But really, they're there to help us focus on Christ and his coming. Now, we'll be preaching this sermon uh, in the month of November when you've got the holidays coming up and the pre-Christmas season becomes just this frenzy of buying and, you know, you lose track of, I'm preparing here for the coming of my Savior. Um, You know, what more important thing can I do than be meditating on his word, than be receiving his sacrament? You know, the, these are the, the routine things, like Tom is saying, in the life of the church that will help us to stay focused and keep us awake.
0: Okay. okay. Uh, Dan, you had some thoughts also?
3: Yeah, thank you.
2: Um, I picked this up from Com- Concordia Pulpit Resource uh, a while back, and Howard Gleason had these thoughts. He said that, um, you know, Christians are a lot like puppies. You know, they have a great desire to please their master and will listen to the command to sit for a moment or two but then they're easily distracted they want to chase something or choose something um, it's only with practice that the puppy learns they concentrate and focus on the task at hand and I think the same thing too right we too want to listen to our lord and savior but we, we get distracted so what are those things that are pulling us um, school work hobbies um, and I think of the passages like um, you know Tom Brought up philippians 2 work out salvation fear and trembling you know think of hebrews 4 make every effort to enter the rest uh, think of what happened to the laodiceans materialism they were neither hot nor cold and what does jesus say buy gold from me right and so um how do we how do we fill that vessel of faith and i guess that's one thing that i had struggled with as well is you know what what is the oil um what does that represent yeah and i think with my reading you know is it faith is it the holy spirit is it the works prompted by god's love for us i think finally it's all of the above and i think it's good to think of it that way more of the container so what am i putting in this container as i'm waiting for jesus is it a jesus of my own making he's loving he'll forgive me doesn't matter how i live am i filling the lamp with my own good works i'm a church council president you know, rather than this continual repentance of, oh, I'm not serving as I really ought to serve. Is it my own smarts? Is it my health, my good looks? You know, What is it that you filled that container with, which in the end is just going to leave that flame sputtering?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, what are you filling that container with? Good question. Uh, Tom?
1: Yeah, Dan, and that's probably a great question to bring up because... You know, again, sometimes in these parables, and you can't always push it too far, but the same question came up was, so what is the flame, the oil, the lamp? Um, And I I like how you didn't specify the one thing because i had some one of them said like the flame is faith that's what produces the oil is the grace and the power of god's word the word and sacraments and the lamps is the outward form of christianity that that's poured into in order to encourage our flame but i don't even know if we have to go that specific right like that the, the, I, I like how you just said it it's like okay well the, this is this is what 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 are we filling ourselves up with other than what we should be and that's going to be how our our faith is produced yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I guess I've tended to deal with it that way in just kind of as a whole uh rather than breaking it down although I, it's not probably not bad to do that or see you know a uh, correspondence between the particular thing and a spiritual concept but um yeah, I guess I've kind of dealt with that as a whole but with preparedness yeah what what's going on in my life what habits am I forming uh right what am I filling my time with and occupying myself with that would either make me ready or not ready uh uh, Tom?
1: I Just ask a question, and, and um, you can tell I got my coffee. I'm in a talkative mood. But let me ask you guys, this is, I mean, in your perspective, this is a pretty law-based text, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's not a, there's, well, I won't say there's no gospel in it, but what, so what did you do with the gospel? Did you infuse something in? That's kind of what I ended up doing because I did bring it back to the bridegroom or to Christ. But what, what do you, what do you, what do you guys do with this one?
0: Yeah, let's talk about that gospel emphasis from the text because, you know, it yeah, it ends with uh the door being closed, right? I mean, so it is a very warning uh tone uh that comes across here. So what about gospel points from this text? How do you proclaim the gospel from the parable of the the 10 virgins, the 10 bridesmaids? Uh Bill
3: well, I would say uh, eleven verses eleven through uh, t- twelve. Well, maybe a little in thirteen too, huh? Do have gospel in there? You know that they went into the wedding banquet. We don't get to see it, but boy, uh, your appetite is kind of wedded for it. You know what's going on in that in that wedding banquet, and I want to be a part of that. And uh, even Jesus' last phrase there. I realize it sounds kind of law because you do not know the day or the hour, but, you know, it's that day when I finally get to be with the bridegroom. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, you know, an anticipatory thing that uh, the, the uh, parable is trying to build that anticipation in the hearer that I want to do everything to be in that wedding banquet i i want to see jesus in the end i I realize we don't get to see much of the bridegroom you know he's just there at the door and he's closing it but but he is in there the the bride is the one who's not mentioned you know the groom finally does come and you know everybody's so excited we're going to join the parade now over to the groom's house um, so I would say the gospel is in there, but it's in such a tantalizing way that we as the preachers have to bring that out.
1: Okay.
0: So expound on the wedding banquet, the whole concept. Um, and I could just mention that this is before the previous uh, sermon series uh, called Tell Us a Story. Also, so four weeks before the Sunday we're talking about, Um the parable of the uh, the king who has a wedding banquet and invites people and nobody comes. So you, you, preachers are preaching on this text, and they preached on that one too. Uh, I think similar themes, but there also we said the gospel in that parable, which is also contains a warning, is there is a wedding banquet to which uh, the king, or here the bridegroom, wants us to come. So kind of that backdrop. So as as you said, Bill, sort of fleshing that out, this is God's gift to us, and he wants us to take part in it. Uh, Dan?
2: I wonder if, um, so building on that, right, um, the groom, Well, who is the bride? The church is the bride. I mean, throughout scripture, uh, that picture is so clear. And I think as you're preaching the law, the impression that our members are going to get is okay, I just got to do better. I just got to, I got to focus more. I got to drink more coffee before I come to listen to Tom's sermon. I've got (laughs) to, you know, show up on time. I got to be a better church council member. And then to go, no, wait a minute, you're missing the point. The groom has already dressed you. He has prepared you Mm -hmm. be filled with his promises, be filled with his love and his forgiveness. And, you know, if it's a communion Sunday, just think when you come up to communion today, you're going to be trimming that wick. You're filling that vessel with the very body and blood of Jesus. How awesome is that? You are ready. Right? And I think leaving it at that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Very, uh, yeah, gospel-centered encouragement like that. This is what Jesus is doing for you even today. Bill?
3: Um, I don't know. I was looking quick in the hymnal, but I can't find the page, what the Psalm of the day is, because the more I teach Psalm 45, the more I emphasize for the students that I think Jesus had that one in mind when he told the parable of the virgins, because here you have this great champion who's riding forth, you know, he's the Messiah who is God himself. You know, Psalm 45 says that so clearly. And then the second half of it is a picture of the bride. And it even has the virgins who are joining her going to the palace of the king for the wedding. So um, if you can bring something like Psalm 45 in there, I mean, that's just beautiful gospel.
0: Uh, yeah, the psalm of the day is actually multiply 45 by 2. It's Psalm 90. Uh, ah. So <laughs> not quite the joyful uh, tone. <laughs> it's more teach, yeah, us right. to num- teach us to number our days aright, I'm guessing, <laughs> is a connection point there. Uh, Dan?
2: I think what you could use then is the first lesson. Um from Isaiah, fear not, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine, mm-hmm. and you are sold for nothing without money, you will be redeemed. Um, so, I mean, actually, that's Isaiah 43 connected with Isaiah 52, but so, you know, starting with the 52, and then you can maybe work your way back and just say, God has called you by name, right? And and he's done that mm-hmm. um, in baptism so that you don't have to be afraid, you show up to the door, I, I never knew you, right? Um, so, just, just letting that hang there, feel the fill the individuals and then that will motivate them to say, "Boy, oh, I'm glad I came today. I'm glad I heard this message. I want to I want to come all the more. Keep feeling that uh, the faith that God gives to me."
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh so emphasizing we're talking about gospel emphases. Yeah, here is what the bridegroom is doing for us or here is what the Lord is providing. Uh he has prepared us, he continues to prepare us. The gospel in that Tom
1: yeah i was i it's it's always enjoyable to sit and talk through these texts because then although i start to second guess myself like where did i come up with that idea considering what you guys came up with but which is really good and so now i'm going to change i'm going to change my gospel focus of my sermon after listening to uh bill and dan but but the, what i had come up with it i was just looking on the, the sacrificial side of christ um and i again maybe this is a question i'll throw out there but even when you take when you take a, a, a parable or a story where there's more of a narrative I don't know h- how far do you guys jump into the Greek and I'll, I'll and I'll just ask that because as you're looking at some of these that you don't always have the weighted words that That you would in the in some of the old testament prophecies or the the new testament epistles and so a lot of times though i'll still take a couple of words and jump on them so for this one and this is where i kind of meant by infusing the gospel i looked at where else anointing is that you know the the oil is used in in the bible and there's the anointing aspect of it of christ and i also took the, the waiting uh the waiting and just looked at where there's other places in the bible where there was waiting and so I was going to kind of go on how Christ has has already, and I like your guys' idea better, just so you know. But, but the, the, the idea of what Christ already did, the waiting for us, I mean, an obvious spot where uh, we fail is in the Garden of Gethsemane, where the disciples, Jesus even said, watch and wait, and they didn't. And yet he was willingly there. Um, I, I think of, uh, you know, even finding Jesus in the temple as a, as a, as a young child. Uh, um, uh, some of the other observations is Jesus just watched and waited, like when he saw the widow's mite. And pointed it out to the disciples and some of the other areas where Jesus did this watching and waiting actively, I guess, uh, uh, for us. And one of the things that that even the Garden of Gethsemane brings out, obviously, a sad scene where Jesus is, is, you know, is uh, sweating drops of blood. Um, but I think it was Hebrews 4, 1, where it talked about how Jesus was anointed as the king, you know, that oil comes into play, but he was anointed with joy, just the idea that Jesus, I mean, he did this for us, he waited for us, he was active and watchful the entire time. And he did this because there was a joy involved in it so that we might be at that wedding, um, you know, robed in our in a rose of righteousness. And so that, that's where, <laughs> that's where I was coming from. But I kind of like the, okay. uh, I kind of like what you guys did better
0: well i i mean i think uh, you could proclaim forgiveness for our lack of preparedness um where does that come from uh you know our, our lack of watchfulness um yeah maybe gethsemane is a place to show that uh, here here's the weakness of disciples jesus is right there specifically asked them to wait and watch and and in their weakness they don't they fall asleep um, but where is our righteousness uh, in God's sight, considering the fact that we we often found ourselves uh, lax in our preparedness? Um, well, it is in our Savior who who is uh, perfect in that regard. Yeah. Okay. That might be a, an avenue for yeah. Just touching act, Jesus' act of obedience in response to our lack of preparedness. Um, great. Uh, other thoughts on just illustrations, applications. Um, that you might make, uh, Dan?
2: Um, this is maybe going back to specific law, but the, the whole thing about the the wise virgins not sharing any of their oil always kind of bothered me. I'm like a bunch of jerks, you know, <laughs> couldn't they have just a little not bit of text I mean, on sharing? <laughs> I, I guess not, you know, um, but then I thought, okay, what do we compare it to? Because we don't have oil lamps, but if you're out in, you know, the forest, and someone's batteries goes out, they say, hey, can I borrow one of your two batteries inside of yours? Sorry, no, it's not going to work, <laughs> right? And so right. I, I think that's, that's helpful to go, okay, so it's not just about um, the amount of oil. And then, so what does that mean? Um, I, I don't know where I read this, but someone said, God has no grandchildren. Each must believe for himself. So I can't believe for my kids. Yeah. I can't get into heaven because grandpa built this church. Um, and then I thought, well, how else might people be trying to borrow oil well, I had my kids baptized in the church, marked off the to-do list, or I got married in the church, or sending my kids to the parochial uh, school to get some religious education. And, and again, I think those are more applications, like if you're doing a uh, in-reach sort of visit with a um, straying member, but I still think it's at least kind of good to wrestle through that, because um, finally, it doesn't matter what excuse you come up with why you didn't have oil, right? Oh, I was too busy. I was going to get to it after I retired. Um that doesn't cut it you just didn't have the oil yeah and so this there's really immediacy to what Jesus is saying here it's like he's pleading and begging with us um, check your oil make sure you're you know in this state of preparedness
0: so something about personal accountability mm-hmm. uh, rather than just I'll be kind of associated you know loosely uh, or in this in the same neighborhood as people who are prepared yeah that that doesn't really work that way right? Uh, Bill, do you have a thought connected to that?
3: Um, yeah, I guess I have a a little bit of a thought. I suppose the wise virgins could think to themselves, you know, well, if we give you half our oil, we're going to get halfway to the groom's house for the banquet, and mm. the whole parade's going to be dark. So, you know, uh, my my faith, my the the means of grace that God has poured into me are so precious that I can't let my faith die. Um, for the sake of somebody else it's kind of like when you go on a on a flight and the instructions that are given is you have to put your own face mask over um, your face before you can help somebody else yeah
0: so Jesus speaks to that first part you know be attentive to your own personal preparation here um mm-hmm. yeah there's a time and place to think about helping others but first it has to start with our own preparation okay um great um yeah. So we've talked about law, gospel, some, some applications here. Uh, any ideas for uh, kind of a uh, theme ideas or just sort of bringing things together, um, the main thrust of the sermon, uh, or theme theme ideas if you've got some you're working with? Tom?
1: Yeah, uh, just kind of going through this and, and thinking through it more practically and, and keying off of kind of what Bill said, too. You know, by this point, we're getting into the month of November. And I think I I could be wrong, but I think more and more Christmas gets difficult for I'm in suburbia. Right. So you got suburban families. um, They're not worried about putting food on the table. But just the the concern, number one, I think that sometimes parents have that consumerism and materialism will overwhelm their kids because you're it's thrown at you all the time. Right. Number two, just the busyness that results like Christmas. Christmas has fundamentally changed societally. And so I think it it seems and maybe this is maybe this isn't everywhere, but it seems that families kind of struggle. Uh, I need some sort of framework going. how do I how do I deal with the commercial aspect and secular aspect of Christmas? um, uh, Even so I can pass something on to my kids who's going to have it more than we are come 20 years or whatever happens. And so. Uh, some of the p- practical, um, I'll just give you an idea of where I think I would go with this one, and actually the next two Sundays, as well as we're talking about this time in between, you know, like, like, like this, this is the time when you're waiting for something to happen, whether it's waiting for a a, a wedding to come or waiting for a deer in your deer stand. Here's the time to think it through and kind of put into place. Um, uh, you know, some of that. And so I, the, what the one thing I'd come up with is time in between um, and three ways to prepare. And I think Dan had talked about just the preparation of it. And then next week, I think I do the produce because we'll get to that in Matthew 25 and the last one promote. But my idea was then just to, uh, you know, after just realizing that joy that we have and what the Lord has done for us, then to give people a suggestion on how to how to hit the holidays. Now, I had there's three ways to prepare, but I hadn't come up with those three ways. But it was going to be something about how to how to uh you know how to how to mm-hmm. hit the uh, just the the material crush that comes, uh, something about the spiritual aspect, just taking the time, making sure to be in regular worship, like if it's a nap mm-hmm. and spending some time on the emotional side. I mean, the epistle for today had just a real good, I think, practical applications to it as well. Uh, I wasn't sure exactly where I was going to go with that, but I did have one um, one illustration I thought that would work well. Uh, and it was on the, 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 the English word generous. So I, it, sometimes I, you run across these illustrations and they've been around for a long time and some, sometimes nobody's heard before, but apparently the, the word generous comes from an old Latin word that means of noble birth. Have you guys heard this illustration before?
2: Mm, I don't I, okay. So,
1: so the the uh, generous comes from an old latin word that uh, meant of noble birth so like in the 14th 15th and 16th centuries uh the word generous would describe somebody from a noble lineage or high birth eventually by the 17th century it came to signify a variety of traits or, or character or actions historically associated with the ideas of actual nobility. So that was the, you know, the 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 honor and everything else, the the strength, the richness, the gentleness, and the fairness, all that came with being a noble. There was a higher calling and a higher purpose. And I think I saw some of this too. And I don't know if you saw this too, Dan, but like even if you've lived in a country that doesn't have welfare, the government doesn't take care of the poor, there always seemed to be a sense with those that are more that there's an actual obligation help take care of those that are less off. And that's just a part of being blessed with what they have. I saw that in St. Lucia quite a bit. So um, that idea came across. So anyway, by the time the 18th century rolled around, it, it the word generous just came to mean someone who would give or be generous. But I think you can go back to the original root of that word and just say, you know, here's the truth. We are we are the nobility. We are uh, the sons and daughters of the king. We are, we're, we're not invited guests. We're we're bridegrooms and bridesmaids. We're in the the inner workings. We're going to the bachelorette party and the bachelor party. We're we're there, and so as a result, so 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 as a result, we 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 act that way, like kings of. And again, it's a that's you know application to it. But I like that idea of what generous used to mean and the values that went along with it. And maybe uh, because of our kingship, uh, because of our son the daughtership and the Lord, that uh, might play out as well
0: yeah 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 so good suggestions for so very practical applications for your people, wherever you're at, whatever situation you are how can uh this preparedness keeping my lamp filled uh okay, what's that mean what what does that look like in the next few weeks even um yeah some just concrete instruction on that good any other ideas for themes or overarching uh thrust of the sermon, Dan
2: um because of the time of the year, again, I guess I wasn't thinking so much Christmas. I just think I was thinking winter is coming. And so when I was in Alberta for first 18 years ministry, uh, one of the first bit of advice I got from my members is pastor, when it's in the dead of winter, you don't go anywhere without at least a half a tank of gas because something might happen and you just got to have that keep, keep the car running until help can come. And so was it kind of a pain to have to top up always at the halfway mark? Yeah. But what was the benefit? It was this peace of mind, you know, that, okay, if I do get into trouble. Um, so a a theme along those lines was tune up for judgment day. Um, first part would be heed the warning signs. Um, you know, you, you put together Matthew 24 leading to 25. Jesus has said all these warning signs, we know they're all around us. Um, so this, we're not unaware. We know there is a Jesus. We know he's coming again, but being prepared is not enough, right. Or knowing is not enough. Um, we want to be like the wise virgin so check the oil, uh, and then you would bring in the practical. So, how do you do that? Um, being in worship, your home devotions, doing it for the right reason, not because oh I got to do this, and then bringing in that joy aspect of um, you know, like what Tom was saying, we are in that wedding party, you know, and and we've all been to weddings where you're waiting at the for the dinner to take place and where is, where is the bride and groom? You know, can you imagine going home go forget it? They're not showing up and you miss out on all the fun, right? I mean, no, we wait, we wait it out. Um, And so why wouldn't we want to wait this out? Because we know our savior has something really awesome in mind. So that was one thought. Another more edgy um, approach to this text is a first person narrative um, from the perspective of one of the foolish virgins. Hmm. Um, So, the theme would be this don't be a moron like me and miss the banquet. Because what's what's the yeah. Greek
0: for foolish, right? Yeah, the etymology of that is, yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think just bringing that out. And and so uh, maybe a way you could start is uh, you know, you pass without it giving me a name like Marsha or Morgan, but it's better you just remember me as moron. But that's what Jesus called me. And that's what I am. Right. And then just working through that. Um, and, you know, I, I I did preach that way, but that was after I'd been in. At, St. Peter's and St. Albert for 15 years. So I'm not sure I would quite do that here. Mount Calvary have only been here a couple of years yet. Um, I think you have to know your people, whether they would take that in the right way or
1: or not, but sure. Sure. I think you Uh, should go with, uh, winter is coming. I like, I like that one. And yeah,
0: that is also the, the, the meme that's there. Yep.
3: Uh, (laughs) uh, Bill I seldom suggest doing a question for a theme, but I think I might with this one and just make it as simple as are you prepared for Christ?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So getting people thinking, uh, which of these can you identify with? Um, and then you could kind of do law gospel approaches there too. Um, yeah, Dan, you mentioned first person narratives, I guess the, uh, the challenge with those is how do you say everything you need to say? Um, so uh but you could find a way, like if you're kind of just imagining yourself as one of the the foolish versions, how do you get the gospel in there? I think you just have to say, here's what the here's the party um that was there and thrown. And uh I was should have been part of, you know, um, but yeah, it could be done. I think it could be done. I
2: I think that's the approach I would take because again, um, she's not an outright unbeliever, right? I mean, Uh did she go through confirmation class? Did she have all the right answers, you know, once upon a time and she threw it all away. So, um, you know, an application of, of where you had something um, and then you just threw it away. Just, just think of how, awful you felt. Well, that's gonna be nothing compared to us missing the banquet. So don't don't be a moron, you know, and I yeah.
0: Right, right. All right. Uh some good ideas. There any final or concluding thoughts or uh things coming to mind as we close here. Uh if not, I'll turn this over to preachers then. Um have fun continuing to dig into this text and encouraging your people to be ready uh, for the bridegroom to come.